Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Gina Woodall, teaching professor in the School of Politics and Global Studies at Arizona State University, where she's also director for the Capital Scholars Internship Program, the lead faculty for the Early Start Program, and the director of community engagement. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll, and today I'm so excited to introduce Gina Woodall. Gina is a teaching professor at the School of Politics and Global Studies at Arizona State University. Gina is also the director for the Capital Scholars Internship Program, the lead faculty for SPGS's Early Start Program, and the director of community engagement for the School of Politics and Global Studies. Welcome, Gina. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yes, I'm so excited to see you today and have this conversation. I have been able to enjoy viewing many of the internship e-portfolios created by students at ASU over the years and finally found out who was behind some of the amazing work being created in that area and reached out to have you join me today. So I thought to kick some things off. It would be great for our listeners to learn a little bit about your background, how you came to ASU and got involved teaching there, and maybe when you specifically started doing the internship courses. Sure. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, my my background's a little unusual in, in academia in that um, you know, I was actually an undergraduate student at Arizona State University and a graduate nice. student. And nice. I never I never left. I'm still in school. Ah. Um, but, but my roles have, have definitely, um, thankfully, developed uh, over time. Um, so I graduated with my PhD in, in 2005. Um, and then uh, I think for about a year, I was, uh, I had a baby. <laughs> I had a baby right mm -hmm. when I graduated. And so I was, I was juggling that. And also I was teaching part-time, you know, I was teaching a mm -hmm. few classes and then also mm -hmm. doing some um, academic advising. This was before it was professionalized. Now it's professionalized with professionals. Yeah. Um, yep. But back in the early 2000s, it, it was not quite yet at ASU. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I was kind of doing that. And then um, I got offered a, a full-time uh position here at Arizona State University. And it was kind of, a, again, a newer thing back then. It was it was a teaching track. Um, mm -hmm. So I was a little nervous about that because I had done research for so long and, and I, I knew I, I could still do some research, but that, you know, the main thing I would be doing is teaching. And I love teaching. I was just a little worried about the research component. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all these years later, it turns out that I really, really enjoy teaching and interacting with students. And I still get to do a little bit of research. Um, and I think I started teaching the internship class, I think it was in 07. Okay. So 2007. So not far um, after, you know, I started full time. 
And, you know, over time it's, it's developed. Um, I think at first, uh, prior to, to my taking it over, it was kind of more a, um, you know, it was more a correspondence class, I think. Mm -hmm. So there was not uh, a meeting time, even back then when students would all come together, like in a traditional class and, and meet, it was more, um, I mean, I know that the person um, who who had the role before me, he would mail things would be in the mail, <laughs> like a correspondence right. class, right? Like yes. mail in your paper in the snail mm-hmm. mail, and then you would get it and you would grade it, that type of thing. And so, obviously, it's really changed, and cha- it's changed in exciting ways. Um, and digication e-portfolios is one of the one of the new technologies that we've used to make it better. Yeah. So when were you introduced to Digication? I think right when ASU got it. So I don't know if that was, that wasn't 10 years ago. I don't remember when. I feel like it's probably about 10 years. So you were one of the first uh, faculty members, it sounds like, that had it under your wing and helped you to grow there. Yeah. There was a faculty member, Richard Herrera. He was... um, I think he was the undergraduate uh, associate director of our school, and he called a few faculty into the into a meeting with the digication person at ASU and said, "Hey, I want you guys to learn about this. I think it'd be a good idea to implement in some of your classes." And so I went, and then that was the first time, yeah, I was introduced. Yeah. yeah. So how has your use of digication evolved since you first became? aware of it and started incorporating it into your classes? Because I know for many yeah. faculty members, it, it, can, it can be kind of an iterative experience as mm-hmm. they move from year to year and have different cohorts of students. Yeah. So it really has evolved. I think when I first started using it um, and I made it a requirement in my classes, you know, students they, you know, there was resistant to change and they didn't know what it was. And it was kind of another piece of technology they had to learn. And so I think there were some growing pains at first. And I think at first I I would just have students, um, you know, just like picture of themselves and kind of like, uh, I I make them keep like a weekly uh, Mm -hmm. reports within the class. Mm -hmm. And so I, and so I said, well, just share your weekly reports about what you're doing in the, in the class. So it was very basic. It was kind of like a bio picture of them. And then Mm -hmm. there was like a, another tab and then it was like their weekly reports and then maybe their resume. Mm -hmm. And so that was it for a few, you know, quite a few years actually. And then after that, um, just looking at some of the other e-portfolios that are housed in ASU, I got other ideas and I said, oh, okay, they could really, you know, we could really make this better. And so, you know, they could kind of bring in their, um, you know, their just other things that they've learned, right. And in, in the internship and I kind of had them think, think big, right. You didn't just learn about your one, political candidate, you know, you're you're working on the campaign. That's not the only thing you've learned. What are some other broad skills that you've learned that you can showcase? Because in the liberal arts um, field in which I am, liberal arts and sciences, you know, it's difficult for students to get, to get jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. They have to, you know, they have to hustle and they have to put themselves out there more so than, for example, an engineering student or a business student. There's not just a direct path. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think this was one way, this is really when I started thinking about what's a way that they can showcase who they've 
kind of become uh, professionally and how they've evolved so they can put a professional picture literally out there. Um, and, and then, you know, that's kind of what, what the idea is behind it now is to give that link, put it on your business cards, put it Mm -hmm. on your LinkedIn, uh, make it public, um, and just really try to get them to, to put it out there. That's great. And so I was curious how, um, you might start that introduction for them and thinking about it as a tool that they can really use to share who they are and who that audience might be. Yeah. You know, I, I tell them, first of all, you, you know, we're all obviously unique, different people and you're, you're all, you're a person beyond what you do professionally, right. Um, mm-hmm. much more than, than my job as all of us are. Um, so I do want them to, I encourage them um, to just have a simple bio page about, you know, who they are, you know, what, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Some of them, you know, they, they mentioned their family, which I think is just fine. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really showcases kind of who they are as a person and what they value. Um, I do have some limitations, you know, if you are at a stage in your life where, you know, all you're doing is 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 going out and and maybe having too much fun. You don't showcase that here. <laughs> That's not what you do here, right? But really, to kind of, uh, you know, who are you? You know, who? How would you introduce yourself to the world? And then beyond that, to then go into this is this is also a part of me. I you know I participated in this internship. These are the things that I learned. This is what I want to do um, moving forward. These are my skills, et cetera. So I really want them to showcase who they are as whole people and then kind of go into, you know, the specifics with what they've learned at the internship. Yeah. And I was curious, too, as part of their experience in the the internship, if you've seen some students have some kind of pivotal moments where they may have realized that the direction that they want to go in may be different because of the experience that they had. Could you share some of that? That happens all the time. Yes, that happens all the time. So many of our students um, um, were political science. If you're a political science Mm -hmm. major, you're in our school. Um, You know, they go in thinking law school, law school, law. They all want to be lawyers, right? Mm -hmm. All of them. Um, Fine. You know, great. That's, that's great. However, (laughs) It's really, it's, and it's really awesome to witness. Um, some of them do become lawyers, right? So some of them, they, they, that's what they want to do and, and they do it and they're very mm-hmm. successful. But others, based on their experience, whether it's working in kind of as a, as a policy analyst, mm-hmm. uh, working on a campaign, um, working for city government, chamber of commerce, whatever, they decide that there is more out there than, than law school. You know, there are other careers and, and positions you can take uh, with a bachelor's degree, right? right. Um, that you could start making some money and you could start making an impact and, and you know, growing your network, et cetera. So, I mean, I would say a good, and I, I think my colleagues would probably agree, I'd say a good 30%, 25 to 30% of, of, of people, maybe even more, that, that begin, you know, their political science degree and think law school say a good 30%, 35% end up changing their minds that, mm-hmm. you know what, maybe that's not for me right now. And it's usually based on the experience that they have at the internship. And I think the digication helps them to reflect on that. 
you know, because we're constantly kind of go, go, go. What's the next goal? What's the next, right. you know, constantly moving forward. But it's not very often that in a class, you know, you're asked to kind of step back and reflect on what you've accomplished. What have you done? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, are your goals the same? Are they, are, do you have to adjust them? What, you know, what's going on? And so the digication really kind of forces them to do that, to take a breath. And then it gives them a picture, right, to look at and, a, and a, you know, a, a place where, um, you know, they can deposit all of the work that they've done and then look and see what they've accomplished and then maybe change their, change their minds about what they want to do, which is probably the most exciting part of college. Yeah, you get to see that transformation happen. So for some of the students that are coming into this, for many of them, I'm going to assume that reflecting on their experience, you know, having that time to, to pause and, and look at their growth and maybe how their goals may be changing, maybe somewhat of a new process to them. Um, how are they being kind of mentored or instructed or getting guidance about that reflective process and how they may be sharing that within their e-portfolio? Yeah, you know, I think actually that is an area um, I think where I can improve mm-hmm. um, with with the mental with the kind of one on one with the with the digication. Uh, Mm -hmm. with the e-portfolio, you know, I give, um, you know, kind of an outline on the syllabus of this is, this is what I want it to, you know, what want, this is what I want it to look like. Um, You have a lot of options, you know, I'll give them examples of others to, to view. Mm -hmm. Um, And I give feedback when I go to grade uh, the different parts of the digication. But I, you know, I think that I, I, I don't do, um, an amazing job, I'll say, of kind of the one-on-one kind of deep um, mentorship with with the digication. I think that is somewhere where I can improve. Part of the problem is I just have a lot of students. You have a lot of students and a lot of courses. I do. (laughs) And so that's, I think that is, because sometimes I will, I mean, I'm being honest, I'll have students that will say, I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing or I'm confused on this part or I don't know what to do. And I'll try to, you know, we'll hop on a call and I'll try to explain it. And sometimes they get it and sometimes they still don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I say, okay, you need to email the digication people. <laughs> you know, you have to email, email the digication person and they'll help you. I, that's right. I, I can't really, you know, I'm, I'm done here. I can't, I can't help yeah. you. Sometimes students will come in my office if they're having a problem and that's always yeah. the best because it's face to face. And then we can, I, I have their computer and I can help them. And it's yeah. generally like a tech thing. It's not yeah. generally the substantive part of it. The sub, substantive part of it, I think that they do very well, right? Yeah. I think this generation is really good at at reflecting way more. I'm a Gen Xer, so way more than my generation. We didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> reflect on anything. Um, yeah. At least I didn't, not enough. And I think that this generation is just so much more in tune with working, you know, doing, experiencing something, and then and then seriously reflecting on what does this mean? What do I want to, you know, do next? How do how has this changed me? Mm-hmm. And so they're they're quite good at it. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And I can see that um, there, 
I think there's some wonderful examples that the students are able to refer to when they get started. Is there a, I feel like I may have seen, is there a portfolio that's actually created by a fictitious student that is a bit of a model? Yes. So ASU, um, are you talking about ASUs? Yeah. Yeah. So ASU has one. Um, kind of has a, a template, or I, I don't know which department or school, you know, has they it. They created it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they did create one, and it's really good, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. of course, because it's fictitious. Um, and but, but I do use it. I have used it in the past, or students have even found it. So sometimes I might use that as a template, and then I have mm-hmm. my own as well. Yeah. But students find that that one out. Um, and then they'll, it's funny because when they're just starting to get used to it and it's an iterative, it's an iterative process for the students. So like I, the, they're supposed to do a couple tabs, a couple sections, and then mm-hmm. I check, make sure they're doing it and then they do more. And so when it, they're in that in-between stage, it'll have like the picture of the fake student and, yeah. then like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? And then I'm like, wait, oh, they didn't do this one, this part yet. And I'll click on another tab and it'll be the student and that I know and, you know, the correct name and all that. But yeah, there are, you know, there are various, there are a lot of templates to choose from actually. So yeah. um, students have a lot of choice based on, based on what they want to highlight. Yeah. ASU's done a really good job at setting up a, variety of different resources, I think, for both the faculty members and the students to to utilize. And yes. I, I thought that kind of fictitious student was a an interesting approach. I don't see that everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the way that they did it is it's it's kind of amusing to read too. You know, it, yeah. it, it it's formatted in a very serious way. But yeah. if you take time to kind of go through it and see how it's structured, it does give very good information about what one might include in different areas and the kind of um, you know kind of content or stories that you might share about yourself. But because it's a fictitious student, there's some things that kind of um, are quite comical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like for the the audience of students there, it probably helps them as they're kind of going through and kind of approach things in a, both a serious but also somewhat lighthearted way yes. and how they're going to share who yeah. they are that I think is quite different from other tools that they might be using. And yeah. I know that you've done um, work in other courses too around the use of social media. And I was just kind of curious how you might see the e-portfolio being something different from LinkedIn, for example, for the students to use. And I'm imagining they have questions about that too. Yeah. You know, that's, that's probably the question I get asked the most, like, why are we doing this when we could just, mm-hmm. when we have LinkedIn or yeah. you know, why, why don't, you know, LinkedIn is what, it, you know, what everybody's using. And I say, LinkedIn's great. Uh, yeah. You should absolutely use LinkedIn. I said, but this is, you know, LinkedIn is, uh, you know, it's like the 30 second or one minute right. kind of elevator pitch, right? It's like, okay, this is just high level information about people professionally, which is great. But the e-portfolio, I think, is kind of a different animal in that it really goes in depth about what 
that person experienced and the work that they produced at the internship. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. at the internship, what did you produce? You could give, if you get permission from the internship, of course, examples of of policy position papers you've written. Um, You know, there are pictures of you kind of in action at at the Capitol with your cohort of other interns, et cetera. Um, There's other examples of your work if you put on events or helped put on events, which is really popular during campaign season, which is coming up, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, pictures of the events, right? And again, they're they're getting permission to, to post these. Um, and so it's, it's more than um, just the, the LinkedIn kind of basic information. It's really lets the, the employer, you know, really look and see what work you produced or what your day-to-day was like. Um, and I think that, that that just gives more insight, you know, mm-hmm. that gives more insight into the person. Yeah, I kind of describe it as we're a lot more than the bullet points that we yes. have on our resume. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. So, uh, related to that, um, I know you know you've been a big supporter of experiential learning and the kind of importance for students to be able to have this opportunity to really be out in the field and having these kinds of real world experiences. And as part of your role, I'm imagining you're helping to make these connections for the students and where they're being placed for their internships. Could you describe that process a little bit for our listeners? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think that I've, um, I've kind of used, uh, kind of the, the longevity that I've been at ASU to, mm-hmm. to, to my students' advantage, I'd, li- I'd like to think. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, connecting with others in the community, uh, uh, many of the people out in the community that I try to form partnerships with are former students. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when you're, when you're you know, in a place long enough, then you see your students go on and succeed. And, yeah. and if they had a good experience, they want to give back to the university. And one way to give back is to help students, you know, get, again, just kind of go back and help lift other students up. And so we have amazing alumni at ASU in our school and they are, they bend over backwards for our students all the time. Um, And so, you know, connecting students with these, you know, former students with these alum, with these um, community partners that who are very successful professionally is, is kind of an easy thing to do because they they really want to help. Um, And, you know, the students, the alumni, you know, they are, they become critical mentors uh, to our students. Um, so they're, you know, they're looking at, at the work that they're doing. They're signing off on, yes, you can, you can add that to the education or no, you can't do that. You, you got to do something else. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's been an amazing experience, but it, it's not, it's not difficult when you have alumni who are kind of happy with, with their time, you know, with their experience yeah. in our school. And we just, we do, we have great successful alum that really want to come back and help students. So making those connections has not been very difficult. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. I know that that alumni connection can be hugely valuable. And it sounds like 
they are aware that the students are creating these e-portfolios as part oh, yeah. of the process. Yes. Do they ever see the results of them or are they just kind of providing feedback on, yes, this is okay to share and, and this isn't? Do they see you know, them as they're building them? Yeah. Well, they provide, they, <laughs> more and more, they do want to see the, the supervisors or employers mm -hmm. um, do want to see the final outcome. So they'll want to kind of sign off part by part and then they do want to see um, the I think I think to check to make sure everything's okay, um, but also to see what it's what image is the student putting out there, you know, how to mm -hmm. do that type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and not every experience is is a super amazing, positive one, as we know. Yeah like jobs, yeah. some jobs are, are, have not, are not yeah, awesome for people. Good. Yeah. On. And so when that happens, I, I do work well with the student. That's when I work more closely with the students. They're few and far between. Luckily, these, mm -hmm. those type of experiences, mm -hmm. when that does happen, I work with the student to not disparage the experience yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the e-portfolio. That's not what we want to do, but to just try to highlight other you know, to really try to find the positive aspects of it and highlight mm -hmm. those aspects in the e-portfolio because our mm -hmm. job is not to bash or disparage any place, you know, in which the right. student interned, but just to kind of, you know, paint the picture a little bit differently. Um, uh, and that's something that, that I do do. Um, we did have a student this past summer um, and she was actually an intern for the Supreme Court's public office so kind mm. of their press um and so there's a lot of rules as you can imagine i imagine so what a Lots great opportunity too yes <laughs> amazing opportunity um she was the only intern in the office so i, I mean it was just oh, a fantastic wow. student um and so you know with hers and and they're they're a little bit behind so she's kind of just getting started on hers mm -hmm. but you know, have to be very, very careful. Yeah. Um, and they have to approve every every step of the way. But I think with hers, what she's going to do, and we had discussed this, is just focus on, because all the opinions come out, um, have, have come out, many of them in, in June, they start coming out in June, and they kind of mm -hmm. dwindle down by the end of the summer before the next session starts in October. Um, but I said, you can focus on, you know, kind of what, um, what the press has has discussed in, in terms of uh, the opinions that have come out. Yeah. Um, that's what you could focus on because that's public, right? I mean, right. The, pre the press is covering the opinions that have come out um, and, and that's all public. And so you can kind of focus on that part of it. Um, and, and she's like, yeah, that's, that's something I, I, I can do. That's kind of public knowledge and, you know, kind of looking at maybe, different newspapers and, and the different angles, the different takes that, that they have on these um, really important, critical um, decisions that have come down and kind of, you know, kind of focus on that more um, mm -hmm. because she is quite limited in what she can share. Yeah. Well, what an extraordinary kind of learning experience to have too, you know, because it sounds like they're not only learning about how they might be presenting themselves and, you know, recognizing their own growth through these kinds of experiences, but also to be able to participate in that kind of critical thinking and about what what is appropriate to share 
um, and in what context and in what audiences. And I imagine that this is something that will, that's just going to be such great information and experience from them to have as they take their next steps, whether they're going into politics or um, mm-hmm. other kinds of avenues. And it sounds like, you know, with the background that I learned about you and looking at your own bio that you have a wealth of information and experience to share in those areas because of the other kinds of research that you've done. And I know that this is not exactly on the topic of e-portfolios, but I'd love for you to share for our listeners too, some of the, the research work that you do and other courses that you teach before we started talking, you know, I was looking at those and some, some of those course topics sound really juicy and I wish I could (laughs) sign up to take some of them. Yeah. So I'd love for you to share with our listeners too, some of that, because I think that that really informs the kind of mentorship that you are able to give the students. I know that you kind of modestly said that you don't do a whole lot of one-on-one on the specifics of things, but your your background and I'm sure through what you're providing through your your courses is providing more of that than than you may realize. So if you could share yeah. some of what you're doing with your research and other courses. Sure. I'd love to hear it. Sure. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, I started out, my research is kind of changed and and evolved a little bit. I started out when I graduated in 2005, really focusing on um, women in politics, in particular, Mm -hmm. women uh, senatorial candidates. So running, you know, running for the U.S. Senate and then looking at the intersection of of gender and and negative campaigning. Mm -hmm. And so that's the research that I saw just a little tiny part of politics. Uh It's so funny. It's so niche. But um, I started out there and I, I really am uh, really interested. I still am in, in, in women in leadership. It's yeah. something that I'm very um, passionate about. I teach a, a class. It's a 400 level class called women in politics. Mm-hmm. I just got an email today. I, I made a friend in, um, in Maryland. Uh, she sits in the assembly there. Uh, thanks to capital scholars program Mm -hmm. and I want her to zoom into my to my class I I like to get again that experiential kind of I want to get real world leaders to come and and talk to my class and so I'm talking to her person right now to try to find a date but um, that's one of my favorite classes to teach it is generally juniors and seniors they all want to be there it's mainly women but but not all Mm -hmm. because of course Mm -hmm. You know, uh, men want to know about women in politics too. Yes, um, good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, you know, it that that's an amazing class. I really kind of step back in that class and let the students kind of take over. And even though it's a, I think this semester I'll have about fifty-five in there right now. So it's 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 kind of a little too big to do seminar style, but uh-huh. I I try to do that anyway and just kind of force them to to really kind of <laughs> take the reins. Um, so yep. that's one of my favorite classes to teach. Um, another class that I developed, and it was, oh, I started developing it in 2016, um, started thinking about it in 2015 with everything going on and developed it in 2016. And I think it launched as a pilot in 2017. Is a fake news class. So yep. I think the title of the class is Fake News, How to Identify and Refute It. But really what the what the class is about is is misinformation and disinformation. Mm-hmm. Right. And the impact of that on our democracy, small d democracy, which we're we're still 
grappling with, right? It's not mm-hmm. a problem that is solved, especially no. with AI um, and, and everything uh, changing. It's actually going to become more insidious and more difficult to, to try and, and figure out what's, what's real, what's the truth and what's not. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, I developed a class like that to really kind of drill down and, and really get critical thinking when it comes to information, really kind of hone in on that with, with the students. And we do focus on, um, we start off with some philosophy and then we, uh, then we really do focus because it's my expertise. I'm an Americanist. I focus on American politics. We, we basically kind of focus on that. We talk about conspiracy theorists and kind of how that, Mm -hmm. how conspiracy theories develop and how they've been around since forever. Um, and then we, we do, I have, um, cause you, Misinformation is not just in the U.S. It's it's worldwide. Uh, political leaders use it as a weapon, a weapon of war, actually. Um, so we do talk about it globally in some other countries as well. <clears throat> so that's a, a super super important, I think, course yeah. um, that that we have. Uh, and then I teach American government. So I do teach one ten. This is generally I I love teaching this class. Not everybody does. I love teaching first-year students. I really do. Um, and it's American Gov. It's, it's fun to teach. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's fun to teach, get them kind of pumped and excited about um, something that could be very depressing and confusing, right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of yeah. what's going on politically. Um, all the fighting and polarization and, you know, it's ripping apart families and communities and all of that. So to yeah. try and get them to see, um, yes, although it, it is not perfect and we've historically have made a lot of mistakes, there is a lot of good and a lot yeah. of progress that we've also have to have to accept and celebrate um, mm-hmm. and then continue to become um, engaged citizens in our in our small D democracy. So. Um, that's always a lot of fun to teach as well. So I teach those classes um, and the internship class. Um, so I have a formal program, CAP Scholars, which is a DC-based program in the summer. And then throughout the, the academic year, it's uh, political science internships. And that's kind of an ad hoc basis, meaning mm-hmm. if you want to intern for your local member of Congress, you can get credit for it and you get into my class. And that's where the digication part comes in. Mm -hmm. Uh, My capital scholars do it as well. Um, Or, you know, it's, it's varied. I have students working all over the country, sometimes students out of the country that have interned, you know, something to do with politics, policy, governance, broadly speaking. Um, and then, you know, and then we all kind of come together in this class. And I think students enjoy it also because they get to to read about their peer, like what their peers are doing. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. you're in Spain, like working for domestic violence shelter. Yeah. Like, I was curious you know. if with the internships are most of them being placed um, kind of locally around your campus in Arizona or... You know, I'm. It sounds like some are in DC, but it, you're doing things globally as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We do get students that get State Department internships. Mm-hmm. Those are always difficult to get, but our students do get them, and so they're they're often placed in in different embassies around the world. 
Um, and so those, those are fascinating. That's, that's just fun to, to read about and listen to. And, you know, sometimes we hop on a zoom and communicate that way. Um, so it's, it's great. There's a lot of flexibility in the class and we have to be because we have students everywhere. Uh, But (laughs) when students want to try to meet up synchronously, um, then I, I, I try to do that, you know. This concludes part one of our conversation. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.